Picks and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to introduce a guest onto this podcast for the first time in what feels like forever. I've been kind of going in my groove. I've been doing the game recaps. I've been doing uh, various podcasts that are previewing the season. But now that we are fully into it and we have some actual content, I feel almost obligated to have this person onto the podcast as it's been probably too long since I've had them on. And every time that we kind of come together, there's a lot of interesting stuff that gets said. And I think a lot of interesting narrative stuff that that gets set from this. He is the King of Thornton himself at, at not Jeff Morton. Good Lord. He is the King of Thornton himself, <laughs> Jeff Morton. I'm trying to do Twitter shit right now. I was just going to call you King of Thornton on us, honestly. So uh, Jeff, I'm I'm exhausted. It's been a, a very early part of the season, and I'm already like just gassed at this point. But how are you doing? I'm great. Well, you you went all the way to um, Salt Lake City for the for for the first game, and you got to mm-hmm. see a blowout. So I'm sure that will set the tone for the rest of your your season. <laughs> yeah. No. So so far, the two games that I've seen uh, at Utah and home against OKC, there are some good signs in the OKC game, but it was also just look. You win against OKC by five points and you don't really feel good about it. Like, how can mm-hmm. you feel good about it? That team's going to win 25 to 20 games or so. Like, come right, on now. Right, right, right. You don't, you don't, you don't want to get uh, submarined by Lou Dort. That's exactly what you don't yeah, want. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my, <laughs> like, actually, my goal in life is to not get submarined by Lou Dort. <laughs> I, I think I've done a good job so far. Uh, on this podcast, Jeff, we're, we're going to go over first segments of early season trends on the season. Uh, there are some numbers that I've cobbled together that are, in, again, four games into the season, small sample size. But I, I want to know from you, somebody who I, I think you've said that you're not worried necessarily about the slow start to the season. Uh, yeah. I want to know whether it's real or not real, some of these numbers. And I've got more ranks than anything else. Uh, cool. Next, next on that, we will talk about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and some of the the uh, diversions between those two and, and how their recoveries have been going so far. And then third segment, we're going to go with Coach Malone and talk about his path forward. And I think that there are some interesting things that we can talk about with Coach. So are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. The Nuggets defense so far has sucked. Like I, I don't think there's any way around it. It has been pretty poor. 28th in defensive rating. They're giving up 121 points per 100 possessions, which if they were giving that up offensively or if they were scoring that offensively, it would be the greatest offense of all time. Right. So with that in mind, uh, things have not been going well so far for this Nuggets defense. Uh, is this real or not real? Is this going to sustain or is this going to be something that we laugh at in the future? Um, it'll get better. Um, this is the early part of the season is when defenses suck. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is just, you, you work yourself into defense and I've never been of the mind that you need to play like the 93 Knicks in order to, uh, uh, play good defense. You just need to do it, be aware of situations and play situational defense. Um, you're not going to stop every possession and you're not going to stop every offense. So I'm, I'm not, I do. I'm not worried in the slightest. I think when you have good defensive players on a team, you figure it out and the nuggets will get there. It's just, you're, you're getting, you got the early season blahs right now, I think. 
it definitely is early season blah. That is that is for sure, based off of what we've seen in these first four games. Denver's given up, I think, 123, 123, 120, uh, 117, and 135 mm. in their four games. And that's just absurd. Like at this stage, if you're a title contender, isn't that something that you would you would hope to bring to the table early in the season? That effort, that intensity, that focus. Although, like you talked about, they're they're working back at a lot of guys. It's early in the season. Sometimes things are just slow. Yeah, it, it's hard to take too much. I mean, we spe- specifically in the fourth game. Um, little anecdote here: in 2012-13, the Nuggets started off 0-4, and yep, their defense actually in that stretch was actually better. Their offense was the one that was kind of sucking in that point, but. Um, that is why I always say it's hard for me to take anything in the early season that seriously. I mean, look at some teams that are really struggling and look at some teams that are winning right now that really aren't supposed to be winning. Um, and then you find out that like there's this early in season NBA is kind of an illusion and you really don't get any sort of good idea about a team until at least 10, 15 games in. And then you can have enough of a sample size to know what's working and what's not working. At least I think. No, I think it's fair. Uh, what I will say though is that this team, with the with the better personnel that they have, like they they went out and they got guys that they knew were going to give better effort, that they knew would bring competence to the defensive end. And KCP, Bruce Brown, even Christian Brown has had his moments here. It's disheartening that even with those guys back in the fold. Uh, they haven't been able to do much of anything on the defensive end. And whether that's matching up with star players, whether that's protecting the paints, there's just been a lot of breakdowns. And I, I do think that's discouraging. Uh, part of it is like, we'll get to one of these other stats here, but part of it is the offense, not necessarily playing up to its standard. And then it's giving some easy opportunities for the opposing team on the other end. So I don't know. Like, I think, I, I think that we could be in for a sub uh, a subpar defensive rating for the first couple months of the season. I don't think that this is going to get better anytime soon. It, maybe. I mean, but it, it, it's like you don't like, a, I'm going to reiterate this again. You don't need to play like the 93 next or the 99 heat. Um, what sure. you should, you should be doing is trying to get better. And with defense, it's all about effort. Uh, it, it, I don't care what people say. You, you, there, there's, there's, yeah, there's footwork and skill. And like when, Michael Porter Jr. Um, had that great defensive effort against Steph Curry at the end of the at the Golden State Warriors game. Um, that was just all Mike managing to stay in front of um, Steph Curry and put himself in a position to block it at the rim. But his footwork on that was really good. Um, you're not going to get that every time. That's why there's so, so few. I always say this to people. That's why two-way players are so valuable in the NBA because there's so few of them because – Great defensive players tend to be really terrible offensive players and really good offensive players tend to be really terrible defensive players. So I, because it's all about where you put your energy and how much you energy you devote to it. Um, and if you have guys that know the role and know that they're supposed to be a primary defender on any sort of thing. And if you have enough of them on a roster, you'll eventually figure it out. I, I, I got some scheme issues with, with the way, what the nuggets are doing right now. But other than that, even if they're doing what they're doing now, they'll still be able to recover and play better defense because they got too many good defenders on the team now. What do you think is the biggest issue defensively? Is it the starters or the bench unit? Oh, um, probably the starters. 
but they that just is play the, more, right? Yeah, they they just they just are on the court more. But um, the problem you're having with the 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 bench is that they're bad offense if it affects their defense so <laughs> it's like my my issue like last night was a, was a if i'm going to pick a nit um would be that he filtered in jamal with the second unit uh, malone i'm speaking of malone but he should have put mike in because jamal really if you're going to do a stagger you're going to have to do the guy who's playing more consistently right now and jamal is really working his way back in there and mike's already there you don't have to worry about him he's already fully back so i would have done that and that would have helped the offense a bit would have made the defense suffer a bit but the 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 second unit offense is atrocious and and bones has had a really rough start of these start of this year um, but I would say that that is the issue there and you probably need to work on your staggering if you're going to be doing it that way. But on the other flip side of it is like the offense wants to play in the starting unit, wants to play faster. And then you're going to inherently give up more possessions. You're going to have more possessions and more potential for scoring. In the first half, the Nuggets only gave up 55 points. It was this the last night. In the second half is when they collapsed. Right. And you need to find out what the Portland Trailblazers did other than hot shooting, which, by the way, not every team is going to be that hot with shooting. It's just it sometimes you have a night like that. When you have a league so reliant on three point shooting right now, you're going to uh, have to deal with nights where everyone hits everything. And that happens a lot in the early season too. That's another thing that happens a lot in early season. These sure. things tend to even out. That's one of the reasons I'm not as as uh, worried. You know, I'm not. I'm just. It's. It's not that. It's not as as much of an issue for me because the the, the on the scale of things, the the teams with more talent tend to rise to the top. And 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 I don't think there's in anything intrinsically wrong with this Nuggets team. They just need to get better as the season goes on. I know it will. Like I, I do think by the end, like our February, March, April, I think they will be a drastically different team that they are in October. There's no doubt about that. Right. It's just about how soon that they can get to that point. But let's move to a couple of different stats here. Twenty seventh in rebounding grade. This is one that really surprised me. And so they're they're the fourth worst rebounding team in the NBA right now. It's on both the offensive end and defensive end where they're struggling. They're bottom 10 in both categories. And combining those two together, they've been bottom five overall. Uh, I'm not sure whether to be concerned about that. I think rebounding is an effort stat just as much as defenses in general. So maybe that's where you could point to with this, but Denver's dominated on the glass for much of their time, and now they just haven't. Uh, yeah, um, some of that's Jokic, and we can get into that. But I, I think there is a no reason that Aaron Gordon shouldn't be great gathering more rebounds right now, and there should there and spe- specifically in the second unit, there seems to be a rebounding issue. Um, they, they obviously, I think. On a scale of of concern, I'm I'm kind of mid, middle on that. I get it's it's something that will improve, but if it's not improving, it's because um, either a the the um, 
opposing team is making more shots or B you're not holding on to rebounds. Um, you're getting boxed out very easily. There's a lot of different things that could contribute to that sort of thing. Um, I tend to think it is something that will eventually um, even out, but if it's something that doesn't improve, it is a sign rebounding. I, I tend to put more rebound uh, emphasis on rebounding than most people. Sure. Um, if you aren't uh, rebounding and a team is, and you're getting missed shots, um, then you, there's a, there's a problem. So rebounding rate, I'm going to give till about, like I said, 10, 15 games in before I, I freak out. Um, but it is something to monitor. Yeah. Right now, Jokic is a 10.3 Aaron Gordon's at 7.3 Michael Porter's at 5.8. Uh, next highest on that is Kentavious Caldwell Pope at 3.8. DeAndre Jordan in his three games has averaged three rebounds a game in 10 minutes. That's probably a little low. He needs to be higher there. Uh, mm -hmm. Bones Highland is at 0 0.5. Uh, Michael Porter's at 5.8. Did I mention that? Uh, yeah, I did. Jamal Murray's only at 2.7. That probably needs to come up. He's mm -hmm. usually at about four per game. That that seems like an, a part of his game where he can get better for sure. Uh, but overall, like it just seems like it just seems like everybody's probably one or two below where they should be. And right. if you get it up a little bit higher, then maybe it's a little, it feels a little bit different, but it's, it's going to be a communal thing. Like it can't just be Jokic. It can't just be Aaron Gordon. It can't just be Michael Porter. It has to be everybody. Well, Jokic, Gordon, and Porter should be two more rebounds per game higher than they are. Um, if you're going to get optimal rebound coverage within the starting unit. Um, but DeAndre Jordan only having three rebounds. I mean, I mean, come on per game. That is just, that's, but he hasn't played a lot. Yeah. He's only um, averaging 10 minutes a night. So it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to really put forth uh, yeah. stuff like that, but. And, and um, Zeke Najee didn't really impress when he was in the uh, 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 Oklahoma city game, but. Oh, you want to hear one? You want to hear one yeah. that I think should be, uh, should be probably talked about a little bit. Uh, Zeke Najee in 15 minutes has yet to grab a rebound. Yeah. That is uh, really bad. <laughs> It's really, yeah, really bad. Yeah, it should it should not come down to stuff like that. Like I, yeah. that is that is no. I mean, let me tell you a, a little anecdote. Um, back when I first started covering the Nuggets, um, it was when Carmelo Anthony was here, and there was this thing that George Carl had about Melo um, not assisting more and not trying on defense more. Uh, and one day I told. I asked George uh, during a practice, I said, George, doesn't it bother you that Carmelo Anthony doesn't rebound more? <laughs> and Carl, and Carl looks at me and he goes, yeah, you uh, mellow, mellow really should rebound more, but he's very good at rebounding his own misses. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of a shot at mellow. Um, <laughs> and, but in, but my issue with Carmelo was that he he never put any effort into rebounding and Melo could have averaged close to 10 rebounds a game if he wanted to and he he never did and that was my big issue is let's rebounding is big if you are a good rebounder a lot of other things will come to you in in the offense and i think that um if you're going to be a sustainable player and speaking to Zeke Naji 
you can work on getting stronger and you can work on all this other stuff, but if you can't get a, a rebound in 15 minutes of play, there's something seriously wrong. Feels pretty reasonable to ask him to rebound a little bit more. So yeah. we'll see. Um, next stat 27th in turnover rate on NBA.com. So Basically, they've turned the ball over the fourth most of any team so far. They actually had fewer turnovers this last game at, before they were leading the NBA in total turnovers. Uh, right now, they are tied for the league lead in opponent points off of turnovers. So take that for what you will. But yeah. it does seem like Denver, they're, they're giving up a lot of opportunities to the opposing team, and their offense could be better if they stop turning the ball over. What do you think of this? Um, some of it is a function of them pay, playing uh, inconsistently in terms of pace. Um, at the beginning of the Oklahoma City game, they were on fire, and a lot of it had to do with them really gunning for it at the beginning of that game. I think they were up by like 10 at one point. And uh, one of the reasons they did that is because they were playing faster than I have seen them in the Malone era. They were just playing lightning quick the ball was popping as people like to say now um and i i think that that part was indicative of the team that really wants to play that way they got tired it was the second night of a back-to-back it was the dreaded west coast to denver back-to-back so obviously they were going to run out of gas and they did but they've been extremely inconsistent about doing that sort of thing and the reason i bring that up is that you can play faster if you get steals if you get turnovers if you get stuff like that. And Malone, I think, is very uncomfortable with the concept of one steals, two leakouts. And those, if you if you want to play fast, that kind of has to go hand in hand with what you're doing. And the Nuggets really, since Malone's been a coach, have struggled with the concept of getting steals and turning the other team over. It really is something that is just kind of consistent. Some turnovers happen just because a guy throws a ball into the stands on accident. Some turnovers happens because you're picking his pocket and the nuggets don't do a lot of pocket picking. They want to induce you into a 24 second missed shot. They, they, that is the, the, the goal of their defense and it's not congruent with necessarily what their offense is doing. It can work. And it had times it has worked. Um, but if you're going to play that way, you're going to have to live with not turning other, other people over and living with that. What is the old term? Um, if you're taking the ball out of the basket every time, um, your offense is not going to be the same. Um, well, if you're basically waiting for a team to miss a shot, you're not helping yourself. And I think sometimes the Nuggets do need to help themselves. Yeah, I do think the KCP, Bruce Brown, those guys, they do a good job of trying to get those deflections, trying to play in the passing lanes a little bit more uh, and, and trying to bother the opposing ball handlers a little bit more, but they're really the only ones. Uh, even Christian mm-hmm. Brown, who was flambéed last night by Damian Lillard, and that was pretty uncomfortable, but uh, he is more of a defender with his feet and then contests. And yeah, like it's, it's just, that's just how it goes sometimes. But I, I do think that's, at this stage, like, cause we're talking turnovers here, mostly. Um, once the offense gets back into order and everybody's on the same page, the turnovers will naturally go down, but there is a risk reward with playing as fast as you want to, like, like you said, um, 
they have to be better. They have to be more precise. This team definitely doesn't strike me as a precise team right now, a precision mm-hmm. team right now. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing about them that says, yeah, we are going to beat you with our execution. Uh, it's yeah, about right. reading the court a little bit better. It's about being more talented than the opposing team. And it's about outlasting them down the stretch where they, they try to turn it on defensively in the fourth quarter. But until then, they – are seem very comfortable to sit back and not do a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it's like it, it, the, the, when they came out and played the golden state warriors and were really clicking, um, it really wasn't necessarily precision in so far as the ball was going around the perimeter and passing, um, it was more that Michael Porter Jr. and uh, the other shooters, specifically Bruce Brown, were making shots. And if your entire offense is the is predicated on making shots, you you're going to have to make yourself open all the time, or at least you have to you have to make sure every shot that you take is is going to be greater than whatever seventy percent of chance of making it, sort of thing. Sure, but but. The Nuggets, because of the way Jokic plays, are kind of a slave to how he wants the offense to run. I think he, and I've said this over and over, Ryan, I think Jokic wants to play fast. I think they, they don't because of some defensive philosophies that they have, but I don't necessarily think that it would be wrong if they didn't start getting steals. And they didn't start really trying to help themselves here because the the they they kind of just and and of all teams eventually get to a point where they evolve. And uh I think if I was coaching the Nuggets, I'd say, like, look, look, guys, maybe we can get some get some steals. Maybe we can like try for a little bit because we are kind of just waiting for them to miss a shot. And sometimes that just doesn't work. You know, you need to help yourself if you want to play fast, if you want to play fast. And it seems like they do. That was a deliberate thing against OKC to come out and just burn the burn the tiles. And they, you know, obviously ran out of gas because they were second night of back to back, but then they kind of went away from it again. And it's like, what do you want to be? And maybe through the course of this next seven, eight games, they could figure out what they want to be. Yeah, if I were them, I'd slow down. Uh they've they've started the season with a pretty fast pace and I do think that that's leading to some of their uh, erratic play at various points. And I think it's also doing Jamal Murray a disservice right now where he's somebody who you probably want to slow it down a little bit. You probably want to be a little bit more methodical. The ball doesn't always have to run through him, but uh, he's usually a guy that will limit the turnovers. Like that's been one of his things as a point guard, as a ball handler. He actually does a pretty good job of on, limiting the turnover probabilities for the offense. So I don't know, like they're going to have to balance it out right now. It just feels like everybody's a little bit out of sync. Uh, Final one, final number here for you. I posted this on Twitter, the usage rate leaders for the Denver Nuggets in order. Uh, This is the number of shots, turnovers, or free throw attempts, like drawing fouls that they've had so far uh, as they, as is related to the rest of the team. Bones Highland leads the team in usage rate followed by Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, and then you have Nikola Jokic at fifth. Is that real or not real? Is that a 
Is that something that's going to sustain? That is entirely a function of the way Nikola Jokic has played the first four games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my answer to that. And no, it is not sustainable if the Nuggets want to be a winning basketball team at all. Yeah, Jokic is going to have to increase that. Um, and, you know, we can get into some reasons why that needs to be. But um, I, I think that some of that is the way Jokic has been um, less. I mean, I, 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 the best way to put this, because I, I not because there's a very large contingent of Serbians who would get very upset at me if I got too critical. But I, I think that I think Jokic needs to understand that his days of being baby Jokic are gone and he needs to be MVP Jokic. He doesn't necessarily have to take on the extreme offensive load that he did last year and the year before, but he needs to understand that he cannot be 2017 Jokic. He has to be MVP Jokic. Um, And that's my answer to that question. Yeah. Like I'm with you. There, it doesn't necessarily have to always come in shot attempts with him, but he always has to be looking at the basket. The way this team runs, the way that they are going to function at their best is to make him unstoppable. It's because if he's unstoppable, then they're throwing double teams at him consistently, and then that allows Jamal Murray and Michael Porter to get going. And if your other options are Aaron Gordon at the rim or KCP in the corner, those are pretty good options too. Yeah. But that starts with Nikola Jokic. It starts with him being the driving force and, and leading the charge. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody should get upset with you. He's proven that he is at his best when right. he's aggressive. I don't think there's any question that the team is at its best when he is locked in, when he is right. doing his thing. Now, whether it's important to be locked in in October, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the difference is I, I called him a procrastinator last night. I think that he's definitely somebody who like he likes to let the game flow to him. He doesn't necessarily want to like, he, he'll never say this and he'll never say that, Oh, he was looking to pass tonight more than he was looking to shoot, but he was like, I, we don't have to, we don't have to beat around the bush there. He likes to pass. He wants other guys to step up and kind of take on some of this burden and so that he can ease himself into the season a little bit, which fine, whatever. But if the team starts losing, then it's not whatever. You gotta, you gotta lead the charge because you are the, you're now the emotional heartbeat of the team. You have to. Let be me, there. let me be blunt. If you're doing that, you have no awareness that Jamal Murray is coming back from injury. Right. Just because MPJ's back doesn't mean. I mean, MPJ doesn't have the ball in his hands. Jokic has the ball in his hands. He's he's the one who dictates these things. And last night, there was no excuse for him having four points, five rebounds, and five assists at halftime, I think is what it was. That's like, I there's no, there's, you, you, I mean, yes, he had some fouls, but, and, and, and Eubank seemed to piss him off. But I think that, I think that there is a, uh, a line between, I know I'm better than you, and I know I'm better than you, but I'm going to wait. He needs to be, I know I'm better than you from the, the, the jump. And that doesn't necessarily mean scoring. That means making yourself active participant in the game. 
it's it's not a it's not a high bar at this stage like come on it's um the other the other take here i i know that bones is going to have a high usage because he's on the bench like like none of those guys should carry a higher usage than him he's gonna get a lot of shots up always murray is going to be relatively high whether he should probably be a little bit lower right now I don't know. Like it's just him working himself back into, into shape and working himself back into playing form. It's going to be a struggle for a while. I understand that Aaron Gordon being third uh, ahead of Jokic and MPJ. That is one where he's got to take fewer shots for the betterment of the team. And it's not necessarily his fault because he's wanting to be aggressive. He's wanting to carry like when he sees Jokic not being aggressive and he sees Murray struggling, you want somebody else who can take on that burden. Unfortunately, that's not the, that's not the formula that the team needs. They need him to scale up defensively because the other guys can't scale up defensively. He's got to be the guy who puts in all of his effort on that end. And then the shots on the offensive end are the ones that are a result of Jokic creating. And they don't necessarily have to be Aaron Gordon creating for himself. Like, the rest of the team has to get that in order. It's not Aaron Gordon. Uh, I will give you a gentle pushback on this in the sense that I think teams are deliberately making him the the higher usage than he needs to be. I think that's part of the defensive plans of other teams. Um, I think they've identified he is the weak offensive link in the Nuggets off um, starting chain, which is not, not saying that he's bad, but he's of, of, even KCP, he's he's lower than him. He's probably option number five in a in a perfect world. Um, and I think there's been a design to get specifically last night. There's no reason Aaron Gordon should have had 24 points. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, I uh, I you know Mike Mike should have had more. I think Mike felt a little gimpy after he ran into Nurkic, but he came out didn't he looked fine afterwards. So I mean. I think that I think that in the perfect world you will have MPJ step up because Jamal like just cratered after the first quarter. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, one of the reasons the Nuggets ended up losing, and I'm going specifically last night, we're talking about usage. One of the reasons you, you, um, Gordon ends up with 24 points is, is quite frankly, Jamal obviously is still working himself back in. He really fell off after the first quarter. Jokic was being passive um and then got frustrated and then you only only you had basically uh uh Aaron Gordon and MPJ and yeah. uh, that was it and it, like when when the chain the links in the chains fall apart you don't have a lot left and the nuggets really once they got behind once they fell behind that first time it was like i could tell i mean there was one of those moments and i i've watched enough basketball for the last 35 years to know this I could tell as soon as they lost the lead, I said they're done. Yeah, they're done. I mean, they they just they just don't have it. They they lost their ability to defend and do offense at the same time. It's too bad, um, but we both agree that this isn't going to be the team that is even in December or right. January or February or April or whenever the playoffs do end up rolling around. Like this team will be better. Uh, they're going through the growing pains now, though. Like this is definitely going to sustain right. for at least a little bit here. Uh, yeah. How long will probably determine whether Michael Malone explodes in the media at some point soon. But they'll beat the Lakers. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I mean, if they don't, then that could be the day. So it could be that. <laughs> Either way, 
Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to circle back to Jamal and MPJ. We have that conversation, and I think that's going to be an important one. We will be right back. We're back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I want to tell you a little bit about Superbook Sports. Nobody's more excited to tell you that football is back, that basketball is back than Superbook Sports. They're bringing Vegas style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium or the arena to enjoy these sports this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. This is Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we are back with Jeff Morton, our special guest here on the Pickaxe and Roll pod. Jeff, I talked about, we talked about early season trends. Uh, one of those trends has been Michael Porter Jr. being really strong over the course mm-hmm. of these first four games. He definitely deserves a lot of appreciation for what he's talking for what he's done so far. I heard you podcast about it uh, on Sunday, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of pleasant things to say about Michael Porter and kind of where he's at. Could you take us through that real quick? Well, I, uh, I think my, my biggest point has always been, I mean, actually not always because it, it was a kind of a realization I made after the Oklahoma city game that like this guy has come back from his third back surgery and looks basically like he did the season before um, his, he had this back injury and where I'm, I'm like looking at this is like, and as you know, people have under any comprehension about how remarkable that is (laughs) to, 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 to come back and look just like he has after one back surgery, let alone two. I mean, look at Ben Simmons right now. looks like crap. And, And, and he's, he had back surgery. It is, it is hard to come back from back surgery. It is just something you're going to live with for the rest of your life, particularly with MPJ. I mean, he's his his particular issue is not something that's going to go away. And it is something where you're like, man, it is remarkable. And and what has what was perplexing to me is like the collective shrug that people had about him overcoming this. And I'm not saying that he should have been praised above our, 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 you know, accolades above Jamal or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, why aren't isn't he getting the same? And it, it's been really weird to me. The guy's been consistent and good. And actually, yes, he's got still issues. Yes, he has his brain farts. Yes, he has his defensive lapses. That's that's going to be a thing that we're always going to be talking about with him. But he has also been a guy that has, has just been fit itself better into the offense. He has done everything basically other than, you know, on defense, he's done everything that people have asked of him and he's, you know, almost 20 points per game right now. And people just kind of like, eh. I, I just, it's remarkable to me. And I don't, I, I don't know. Can, maybe you can explain to me why, why do we do that? Why, why is it that we just can't see the achievement? Well, one of the things, and I, I think you mentioned this on the pod, uh, was the bubble and how both of those players specifically, I think, were viewed from that bubble and then the residual stuff that kind of came after that. 
Jamal really ascended to a different place where I think Nuggets fans thought, okay, this is our second star. This is the guy that we can really, uh, really celebrate for what he's accomplished and what he's going to continue to accomplish. And then at the point where he was playing his best basketball ever, he had his ACL torn and has missed 550 days, whatnot. As that was always going to be tough and not being able to see him in that next season at all was heartbreaking for a lot of people. I know you got to see Michael Porter in the previous year. And despite the fact that it was clear that he was inhibited, um, you saw what it looked like with just him and Jokic the previous season in 2020-21 after Jamal went down. Yeah. Those guys looked great together in the regular season. But when the playoffs got together, uh, Porter looked bothered by a lot of the physicality, by some of the defense, by definitely the way the teams were targeting him a little bit. Jamal, the last time people saw him, especially in the playoffs, he was fantastic and has never really faltered in the playoffs. You always know that he's going to be that guy next to Nicola who gives Denver the best chance to win a title. So I can understand why people had a much stronger response to Jamal just because of the moments that he's had. He also had three previous years before MPJ because he had the 16-17 season, his rookie year, 17-18, and 18-19, which was MPJ's rookie year, but he didn't play in that at all. Mm -hmm. And during that time, Murray went through a full playoff run. He had three Mm -hmm. full seasons, had really established himself as a fan favorite even before Michael Porter had arrived. So I honestly think it's because MPJ hadn't been around for as long as Murray did. But my, my point is not that. My point is like he the man's come back from thir- his third back surgery, two in the last three, four years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, why can't we just look at that and appreciate it? And it is just it, it's been weird. And I, I and people, I mean, look, I the other stuff with Mike, I get. I, I honestly get it. I don't like the stuff that comes out of his mouth too. Um uh just th- th- uh, observations on topics he doesn't need to be weighing in on. And that that is one of those things. Um, but on the flip side of that is like, I I'm like, if I had to do, to have go through three back surgeries, I would give up the game of basketball. I would go live in a hut somewhere like in the woods where I don't have to interact with people ever again, because, um, I don't deal with pain very well. And I would not deal with that at all. I, I saw what my mom went through when she had it and it was a nightmare and and her back surgery uh, was very similar to what Mike went his first and second time, and uh, I'm like I, I I couldn't deal with it. I mean this last this last thing that Mike went through was more of an arthroscopic thing on the back, which is still surgery, but it's it's not the same level as what he went through before. Um, but at the same time, it's like three procedures, and I'm like the guy's coming in and been basically hitting what is he uh 50 from three this year yep yep so it's, it's insane and people are like eh. i, I just like <laughs> he's leading the nba in total threes right now tied with steph curry among other people uh oh, that's that's incredible and mm-hmm. and he deserves a lot of credit for that he's put himself into a position where he can impact the game on the offensive end as a floor spacer 
but he hasn't lost confidence in his shot the way that I think Murray may have at at this stage. Now, Murray's never going to be a guy that loses confidence, but I think he's lost confidence in his ability to kind of navigate some of those situations because he hasn't seen them before in a while. Um, can, I, can I give you an, an example of what uh, Jamal's going through? Sure. Um, I always bring this up, but it's Gallo. Gallo has missed the same amount of time after his ACL as Jamal, yep. 16 months. And it took Gallo until March of the year. So they went through uh, from the start of the season to all the way to March before he looked like himself. It took a long time. And a lot of that has to do with how long you're out. And a lot of that has to do with the mental hurdle. And it's a big mental hurdle. Um, One of the more impressive things about Mike is that he's just throwing himself around out there and playing with, with like, as if he's never had back surgery, which is, that is a mental thing that is really hard, really hard to achieve. I, 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 honestly, you, like I said, I'm going to use Ben Simmons as an example. Um, I, that guy is afraid of everything right now um, because of his back and other things in his life. But with, with Jamal, it is hard not to think about your legs. And once you have, and that was his first big injury. And once you have your first big injury, you all, you always think you're going to shatter like glass. And I think that until, I mean, I thought the Lou Dort thing would have uh, on, um, Saturday would have uh, helped him get over the contact thing. I don't think he's there yet. Um, I think he is struggling with, with confidence right now. And I think that's going to be an issue until much later in the season. The Nuggets are just going to have to look, look at it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That is, that is the, an example of someone who has missed that much time. Now I do blame Clay Thompson a bit for, for maybe <laughs> putting Jamal in a worse mental state than he probably would have been. But obviously, you got to take into consideration a pandemic, him not being able to see his family, um, all of that combining to make put Jamal in a position to where he's never been like this before. His mental toughness has never been questioned um, because Jamal, you know, was always hurt, but he was always overcoming those injuries. He was always out there. He was always pushing himself. Um, and this is the one time he couldn't. And at the one time he probably needed his family, he couldn't be around him. Uh, and he was getting poor advice from Golden State Warriors members. So I, th- I think that I think that there is a collision of all these circumstances where you are like, okay, maybe it's a little different for Jamal, but I don't value judge them because, to be honest with you, it's it's you should praise Jamal for being able to get back here and eventually when he starts throwing being a flamethrower, need to praise that, but. You got Mike, who's just come back from his third back surgery, and it is so. It's, it's like a suit. It's just this weird world I'm I'm noticing where, and, and it's like, well, yeah, well, we expected that. Really, <laughs> it's just his third back surgery. You people are nuts. <laughs> one one of the other things with MPJ, so I think people just don't want to get burned by him again. I think one of the things is where you come back from that. And I think everybody is walking on eggshells when trying to declare, okay, he's back. He's back. Like this is definitely, uh, he's going to be great for the rest of the season because I don't, I just don't think we know like whether, whether he is going to be back or not. I don't know. Like, I think he is. I, I can, I can say that we should probably take a little bit more to credit the guy 
and and make sure that he feels the love while he is back and playing as well as he is because if we are in a situation where Michael Porter may fall apart at any given moment with one bad back injury once again then that would be horrible it would be it would be just it would be disgustingly horrible and i don't want like i know a lot of nuggets fans felt burned by the injuries this last year they feel like an opportunity was taken away from the fan base to compete and win the title, which mm. right or not, like I, I think that there is something to that when Jokic is playing the way that he is. But I, I do think that had Murray come back and then sat out, it might've been a little bit different uh, with, with his ultimate return with Porter. He did come back at the beginning of the season last year and then was forced to sit out. I think people are concerned that that might happen again. Well, let me let me throw this out there. Uh, Mike <clears throat> tweaked his back against the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he did. And in game one. Um, and he was not the same after that. And uh, then he played the preseason and looked iffy. And at the end of the preseason, he tweaks it again, and he looks like absolute garbage the first nine games of the season. Couldn't hit a shot. Everyone should have known something was really up. But here's what I would counter with the, the shatter like glass thing uh, with, with Mike. Um, it took basically two full years for him to get into a position to where he was tweaking his back. Um in his rookie year and in that season following, you know, all the way up to the playoffs that year, he had no issues. Agreed. And I, I think, I think we conflate things really un- unnecessarily. As I always say, like with, with, with an injury, like um, Mike's, it's not an injury. It's, it's a degenerative thing. Um, he, it's not about, easing him back and Malone was going to say like well I'm going to you know put him on a minutes restriction why I mean it it, it you're, you're the load is not the issue <laughs> it is it is you know it is his back is what it is it's all about how much pain he can go go with I mean really that's what it is um so it's it's always going to be there um it's it's how much he deals with it and um I from what I understand from talking to a lot of people is that he felt immediately better I mean Basically, like within a day, he was like, I can, I can jump, I can sing, you know, all this stuff. It was, it was great, great, great outlook on life after that, after dealing with that kind of pain. So um, he's going to feel like this. And as long as he's feeling like this, people shouldn't fear the worst because, you know, he's always going to be dealing, always going to be dealing with this. There's nothing I don't think that you're going to be quote unquote career ending unless it's catastrophic with Mike. It's going to be all about pain. And it's going to be all about how we can deal with that pain. And as I think we should just not fear the worst, but expect the best. And until, until everything else comes along, enjoy it. And there's no reason not to. And we're seeing a guy who's playing at a fairly high level for someone who's had, not I mean, not even for someone who's had a back surgery. We've had, had playing at high levels just in general, 50% from three is mind boggling. So I, Enjoy it, folks, because, you know, this kind of thing doesn't come along very often. 100%. And it's definitely at that stage where he probably needs, like, 
probably needs one big game because he's been so consistent in the, in the shots that he's had where, okay, you have 15 points, 17 points, 20 points, 22 points, whatever. If he gets a 30-point game in here, I think a lot of people will. I think they'll really start to view him in that light again, where, look, this is a this is an absolute threat. This is an absolute problem for opposing teams. And whether that's fair or not, I, I do think that a lot of people are just holding their breath. And that's um, it's going to take a little bit, I think, for people to get adjusted to that. So can, one can, more. before before you go to before you do that, can I ask you a question? Um, sure. If you don't mind, I apologize. Um, as the resident Murray thing guy. Mike, when Jamal has played, the offense has largely gone away from him in the fourth quarter. Um, how much of that is Jokic and how much of that is Jamal? It's a great question. Um, I do think that Murray is at his most comfortable when he's running the two-man game, when he's doing the things with Jokic where he's going back and forth, playing that two-man dance. He can do other things. And I think one of the things that we saw from him when he was with the bench was he was willingly giving the ball to Bones pretty consistently with that bench. He he had a couple possessions where he was given the ball and then he passed it over the Bones and then go stand in the corner or on the wing and let Bones do his thing. So there is an opportunity for Jamal to play off ball, whether it's with the starters or with the bench and just let everybody else cook. So I don't think it's necessarily just Jamal. I think a lot of people are feeling the pressure, him included, to get back to where he was supposed to be. And that's definitely, that's tough because you want to force some things but they may not be there. I think Jamal last night had a tough matchup where Jeremy Grant was going up against him and he found some success early in the game. And then they switched Jeremy Grant onto him and he struggled with that length. He struggled going up against a six foot nine dude who could keep up with him. And that's not a surprise. Like at, at this stage, it's, it's not really a shock at that point. I do think the offense should have gone through Jokic in the post. It should have gone through Jokic at the elbows and he should have been looking to score. And then it's on Jokic to do those things. I don't think it's as much on Murray because look, he wants everybody to win. He wants to win as much as everybody else does. And he knows when he's doing badly. Like he's not going to just say, Oh yeah, I know that the team is losing right now, but I'm going to keep shooting because I know that that'll get me back that's not how he works. Like he wants the team to be successful when he's out there. And so if Jokic takes control, then there's going to be fewer problems. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for derailing. I just, I had that question in my head. So. <laughs> oh, you're good. No, I've got one more thing on Jamal that I, I think should be uh, before we go to another break. I think that Jamal should play the first six, seven minutes every quarter and not play the last five or six minutes of every quarter. And they've gone close to that over mm-hmm. the course of like the, this last game. I think that they, they had him come in with the bench in the second and fourth quarter. So they're kind of close right. to that. But I do think that this is a thing where Denver has not been able to get to their good lineup with Bruce Brown at point guard with KCP at the two MPJ at the three AG and Jokic. I think that they need to find ways to get to that lineup every single game because it has been their best group, in my opinion, or at least the one where you feel the most comfortable. That will allow Jokic to be more aggressive. It'll allow Michael Porter to be more aggressive, and they'll play that better offensive movement style while those guys are out there. 
playing Jamal for the first six to seven minutes of every quarter still gets him some time with Jokic, still gets him some time with MPJ and getting everybody kind of back into the swing of things without the penalty of, hey, last six minutes of the second quarter, last six minutes of the fourth quarter, we need to go to the good stuff here. We need the lot. We need to lock in defensively. That's that's kind of where I think they need to be. And Jokic needs to take over in those situations as the offensive guy anyway. So let's not make this confusing for people. I agree. Um, it depends on how um, the flow of Jamal's minutes goes. Um, clearly, the, the minutes restriction thing has been a fungible thing because he played he played Jamal quite a bit in the Oklahoma City game. <laughs> He's played him about 26 to 28 minutes every game, which I'm, I'm right. kind of surprised about. But hey, I mean, if he's at that point, then play right. him six to seven minutes every quarter and he's at the same place. Yeah, if he, I, I, they can't use the excuse of uh, minutes restrictions anymore because it's clearly not a, not a strict thing that they're going on. I'll say, yeah, I like that idea. I think that particular lineup is almost like the Nuggets death lineup, I'll be honest with you, because Bruce Brown can really unlock a lot of what they want to do on uh, with uh, at the point guard position. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that Jamal can't because Jamal serves a different purpose. Jamal, Jamal can get into clutch and they really need to have that particular lineup to function at the end of games, particularly when you're having some you know, you want to get out of, and the offense is not functioning at a high level. You need to go back to your bread and butter, which is the Jokic uh, Murray Pertuma game. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good idea. Um, that would require Malone sticking to a um, staggering strategy, which I don't know if necessarily he's been shield- proven that <laughs> capable of doing that. He gets a kind of, uh, what was the best thing you can say about this? Um, he gets kind of uh, antsy and he, and he starts tinkering yeah. and then, uh, um, you know, if it's not the all bench lineup, which he tried a bit last night and which tis, was not great. Um, and then, uh, you know, get Murray in with them and then, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but it would require Malone being consistent with the staggering. And I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily trust that, but hopefully he can get to the point where he kind of trusts that approach. And if he does, I think that would be, as you were pointing out, I think that would be a good idea to unlock different lineups that the Nuggets can do at strategic points. Yeah, and I, I would also kind of stagger Bruce Brown with that. So he's playing in the minutes where Yo- where Jamal isn't playing. And so mm-hmm. I don't like the lineup of Jamal, Bones, Bruce. I don't think it's very good. Too small. I think that there's a lot of people that do, but I think that Christian Brown has proven that he can be just as good in that kind of small forward role right. as somebody like Bruce Brown with that bench unit specifically. I think that Bruce Brown makes sense with the starters. He's really good with the starters. You want to play him with the starters. So play him with the starters. Playing him with the bench is right. not going to go that well. It's it's going to be no. not as effective. But either way, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more closely about Coach Malone and wrap up with some with some discussion on Coach Malone. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you hear podcasts. That would be fantastic. I'm here with Jeff Morton. Final segment, 
on this one. And you had an anecdote that you wanted to share on Michael Malone, I believe after the OKC game. Is that right? Yeah. Um, okay. There were people who saw this on the altitude broadcast and um, I'm actually very surprised that more people haven't brought it up. Um, after the game, it was, the game was over. Um, Malone and Ryan Saunders were rock, walking off the court and Ryan Saunders was looked to be absolutely livid. And he was wildly gesticulating at Malone and yelling at him. And I got some friends who were in the arena and they said there was a back and forth between the two. And I, I, I relate that to the Nuggets defense. And since Ryan Saunders is the uh, Nuggets defensive guy, and maybe there is a disconnect here with how they want to do approach this season with when playing defense and how specifically a very having a terrible defensive year Nikola Jokic can play. And I think that to me was kind of an anecdote, uh, kind of a visual anecdote about the way things have gone the first four games. As I've said before, I don't really take a lot of in um too much meaning in the first, you know, four games of the season. I really wait until we get a quarter way in. And um, I think that it can be salvageable, but there is obviously to me, considering the the way the Nuggets ended that game wasn't tremendous. There's probably a disconnect there that needs to be solved. And I don't know if if there's quote unquote blame, but I do know that there has been a definite decline in defense from Nikola Jokic this year. And a lot of that has been connected to the Nuggets defensive issues. And um, I guess my question to you would be, have you seen the same thing uh, that I've been seeing? And uh, is it a schematic thing that you think the Nuggets can change? In that the defense has just been worse or uh, just, just can you be more specific on, on what I have seen? in, 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 it looks like the Nuggets are playing drop with with Jokic, um, right? Just from from my very untrained eye, and the problem with that is Jokic is the one of the most unathletic centers in the NBA. There's no that's no slight to say that he is not someone who is going to block shots at a high rate, and he's not a, someone who you want running back and forth from the rim to the three point line, right? Um, and it seems like a lot of the Nuggets issues have centered around them playing drop and having to have Jokic cover a lot of ground, which he was never good at doing before. They really started uh, doing playing, as, as Matt Moore would say, at the level um, when Wes Unsell Jr. was here. Yeah. And Wes really had Jokic doing that. It do, that is does take a certain amount of energy that you don't necessarily have to do if you play drop. So my question, I guess, for me as I'm interviewing you on your own podcast, would be um, if, if you were if you were looking at this, would a schematic change going away from drop, going back to the level, or at least not having Jokic drop as far as he's been doing, would that would that be kind of help contribute to uh, like a better defensive uh, outcome for the Nuggets? Yeah, so uh, the the simple answer is yes. Uh, if the Nuggets were to commit to playing Jokic at the level a little bit more, then they would be better. 
I do think that they tried to play at the level a little bit more last night when you're facing a guy like Damian Lillard, you're facing a guy like uh, Anthony Simons. Those guys are elite shooters and you need the, the center to step up and be able to contest those guys a little bit more. They did that at least a little bit. And what it led to was slip passes to Yusuf Nurkic in the middle of the floor, and he had six assists. And there's a reason for that. He is a guy in Yusuf Nurkic who can take advantage of that. I do think that there were a couple of possessions where Michael Porter, in particular, rotated onto Yusuf Nurkic and did a nice job of not letting him get deep into the lane, giving a nice contest, and he was pretty good. There were also some times where Porter was very late and didn't necessarily recognize the rotation in time, fouled, gave up an and one, gave up free throws uh, at various points. And He was bad with fouls last night, really bad. Yeah, and and I think a lot of that actually was after his impact with Nurkic in the second quarter. So there there may be something to that. But I just think that, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of defense is effort. If they're playing drop coverage – it's probably the lowest effort level defense for four of the five players. Actually, it's kind of a low effort defense for Jokic in a lot of ways, if he's big and can wall off the rim, because then he doesn't have to move up the floor a ton. He can be down in the, in the painted area and prevent shots at the rim. But the problem is, is he's not doing that either. He lets defenses or he lets offenses get right to the rim and struggles to contest when they go side to side because he doesn't move laterally that well. And when he plays that drop coverage, he basically gives them a two-way go, which means that you're not forcing somebody left or right. You're giving them an opportunity to choose, and then he's having trouble to react. So there are times where he's forcing guys one direction, and they take it, and and he gets beat anyway. So that is probably some of the schematic issue where if he can't handle it, if he's playing the scheme correctly and they still can't do stuff with it, then you have to change the scheme. I'm, I'm with you though. If they play him at the level a little bit more, if they get Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon a little bit more accustomed to rotating onto that big, making sure that they can't facilitate, then that's great. But it also means the Jokic has to be more mobile and he has to expend more effort going up the floor and i just don't know if he's willing to do that well and that's my worry too um i'll i'll say this they who was their defensive coordinator last year it wasn't wasn't uh, he wasn't so was gone was it, uh, it was um jordy okay yeah jordy's gone so this was really this really began last year this wasn't this wasn't just this year mm-hmm. and it is obviously a conscious decision to do this because the last two years under Wes, they were playing at the level more and he, and he wasn't getting as murdered. Um, they did. And this is ironic um, in the bubble um, in the first round series against Utah. Uh, they were playing a lot of drop and he was getting killed. Jokic yeah. was in, in the first three games and um, you could see how angry Jokic was getting with how, he was getting dunked on and all this stuff by Gobert, and um, they changed back to go into the level in the last uh, in the last um, four games of that series. And I think that um, that will that obviously reflected in the Nuggets' ability to play defense. 
also Gary Harris coming back helped quite a bit. I think he came when he came back in game four of that, that, that series. So game six, uh, like it actually, it actually took them a little bit, but yeah, but they were able to survive in the, in the game five, when they went down three, one, that was in part due to PJ Dozier. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was in part due to Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant and those guys being able to play with Jokic at the level a little bit more against Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and guys like that. But it took, it took everything and it took, it took a higher level of effort from Jokic in the pick and roll playing up the floor to wall that off. And sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes they gave up dunks and open threes, but most of the time they played it pretty well and they survived as a result. Well, and, and, what you really got to play a certain kind of defense when you're playing these offenses that are dominated by one guy. So like against the, um, this thunder, um, again, Shaquille just Alexander is not going to pass the ball. He is going to look to score every single time. He is not a roll dunk guy and the roll pass to the dunk. Um, uh, for a lob, he is, he is going to try to score and the nuggets struggled with that, largely because of how far Jokic had to drop, they don't have. I mean, even in the starting lineup, they don't have a rim protector. That's it's not it's not that kind of defense. And in in order to uh, play good defense with the play, the personnel the Nuggets have, you have to cut them off before they get to the paint. So it's everything is perimeter oriented, and it would just make sense to me to have Jokic more at the level because at the very least, you're cutting off the three point shots, which and the big nuggets biggest problem right now is the threes by far the biggest problem right now is the threes. So I guess I just look at this, Ryan and say, if it helps the nuggets get to a better, um, cutting off the threes strategy, I'm willing to take the dunks to be quite honest with you. I'll, I will give up the dunks over the, uh, not contested threes. Michael Malone would disagree with you. It bothers him to hell. It, it is his least favorite thing to give up is the wide open dunk under the rim or the the stroll to the rim where guys play it wrongly. Um, that's definitely not that's a, that's an issue. Um, mm-hmm. More than anything, though, Denver just has to give effort. And I feel like if we were if we felt good about the effort through these first four games, then Denver might be four and up. Like they might be, they might be at that level. They weren't giving the requisite effort in any of those games or in the first game and in this last game. Uh, the score against OKC was probably a little bit closer than it should have been because of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is kind of a problem with this is a problem with Denver at the beginning of every season for for starters. Like over these last three years, they have really struggled to begin seasons. And I wonder if that's because the message hasn't really quite sunk in yet. I wonder if it's because they want to move ahead to the playoffs and it's hard to carry to care about games in October. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's the message not being received. And if it's the latter, if it's that last one and Michael Malone is delivering the message and saying, Hey, we would like to play up at the level. We would prefer to do this. We would prefer not to drop coverage. And then Jokic is just saying, no, then where do you go from there? I don't know. Well, it's hard. Um, it's not an easy answer because a lot of the Nuggets issues would be solved as far as a 
defensive approach if Jokic was a more of a rim protector, but you would also give up everything else that's Jokic. So it's really a not it's a vexing question that I don't know if they there the Nuggets due to their personnel will never be and I, I Yoke Malone saying he wanted to be a top five uh, defense was it was curious it was it was, uh, just, it was, it was very was, sweet it was like it was ludicrous and to win a championship you don't need a top five defense you you need to be good a good enough and by the best defenses are situational and they know when to turn it on. And um, the Warriors don't play defense all the time. They don't they they don't lock you down all the time, but they know when to turn it on. And teams like that are the ones that tend to advance. And the Nuggets just don't. They, they knew when to turn it on against the, uh, the 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 Warriors, and they knew when to turn it on at various points against the Thunder. Um, and they in the first half uh, against the Blazers, they also did the same. And I think that they're proving that they can be situational. Um, but the second half of last night showed some issues that a team that has a, a flamethrower like Damian Lillard can just exploit your um, lack of ability to not give up open threes. And yeah, at that point, you're toast. And then when the walls collapse, it's just everyone from the, for themselves. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit worried about the apathy. I think that that's not a championship level trade. That's one where the teams that are apathetic and still win the title are often the ones that have already done it. And Denver hasn't done anything. They've, they got to the Western conference finals in the bubble. And this team is drastically different from that one. There are three carryover players, at least guys that played from this year to that year. And it's Jokic, Murray and Porter everybody's in a different situation than they were at that point. Murray's not bubble Murray yet. Jokic is a much better player than he was then. I think that if this team is going to win something, they're going to have to start caring earlier than they usually do. And that may be hard for people to say, or maybe hard for people to think about. It may be insulting to these professional athletes that you should just care. And that should be part of your job. Maybe they don't have to. Maybe they'll prove me wrong and say, look, we'll, we'll just turn it on in the second half of the season and go 34 and seven, and it won't matter. Uh, they also have the talent to do that. But if that's what they're playing for, then miss me with that because yeah. I just don't think that that's a sustainable strategy. You're going to have to have your MVP player not only score four points at halftime of a game against the player. He dominates two shots, two shots, two shots, I, two of two. I, I, I'm just going to probably don't even need to comment any more than that. I'm just going to let that hang. You don't need to have your MVP taking two shots and a half just in general. <laughs> Set the tone. Set the tone and everybody else will follow. That's what right. leaders do. That's what superstars do. Yes, they do. All right, Jeff. Do you have any other thoughts before we get out of here? Um, let's see. Um, go to CSG Podcast. Uh, mm. I got. I, I do. I'm going up to two a week now for, during the Nugget season. Um, and I have another podcast that no one here is interested in, so I won't plug that. And um, <laughs> it's uh, the Gen X, the Gen X show for everybody. That's uh, the Gen- that's uh. Hey, definitely, definitely not one where I'm. I'm mostly like, what the hell is going on? Because I'm a 
a young young millennial. <laughs> yes, yes, Ryan is Ryan's um, spry uh, and 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 youthful at this point, and I'm I am very old and and crusty. But um, I I there's that. But other than that, you know, Jay Morton seventy eight and at CSG underscore network. If you want to. My Nuggets Kate takes are exclusive, almost exclusively on at CSG uh, underscore network on Twitter. So if you want to hear me ranting about uh, the Nuggets and what they're doing, uh, I need more followers. I only have 111 there. All of y'all are over on my J Morton 78 account. I, I need you to transfer over to at CSG underscore network. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. And, and for those that need to be sold on it, Jeff is real. Like, like, and he will he will deliver the real stuff. And if you want to hear the real stuff, then that's where you got to go. All right. For everybody else, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'll be at the game on Wednesday against the Los Angeles Lakers, and hopefully the results will be a little bit more exciting than this last one against the Blazers. Hopefully it should be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.